Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to this episode of the Recruitment Flex. I'm Shelly. And uh, look who I have here. It's Serge. Shelly, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing oh, well. What's good. going on in your world? Do you know, I'm just amazed. You put out a, a posting on LinkedIn marking the fact that we have hit a thousand followers on LinkedIn for the show. That was amazing. Oh, and it just happened to fall on your birthday. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. A uh, thousand followers in less than a year. I don't know if that's good or not, but it seems like a lot of engagement. We are very fortunate to have listeners that actually follow our advice, even though most of the time we don't even know what we're talking about. Oh, so. Come on. No, I think it must be resonating with people because we're getting some pretty good comments coming back on hitting a thousand followers. Yeah, no, it's excellent news. I appreciate everyone that's followed us. I appreciate everyone that's left reviewed on all the podcast providers. I appreciate anyone that's given us any insight. We have a fantastic audience. So again, when we started this a year ago, we never thought what it actually could be or what we wanted mm-hmm. to be. And I think it surpassed our expectations. So now we we just can't quit. We have to keep doing this because in reality, I wanted to do it like six months, then take a break, but we haven't taken a break. There's been an episode every week and that's, it's not easy, uh, but more exciting news is coming. I've been teasing this announcement since, oh, I don't know, April. Okay. Yeah. You know what amazes me is when I think back to when we started and you're right, we were, let's do it. Nobody's doing it. And I thought, where am I going to find the time to do this? But now you're right. We have gone 80 weeks without a break and we just keep going. But I think it is time for a break for Shelly. Yeah. Uh, So you're going on vacation. What are you doing? You're you're leaving tomorrow? Yes. I'm going to stay within Canada. And I'm going to take my daughter out to Vancouver. We just got an absolute amazing deal on a hotel. And so we're going to go to art galleries, go down to the ocean and just sit there and breathe in that high oxygen air. And there's no forest fire smoke there. So I think we're going to go and really unplug and relax, but I'm just going to go for four days, but I just a killer deal on a hotel. Oh my God. Where are you staying? Which part of Vancouver? Right downtown. Yeah, okay. we're going to stay downtown because it's a, and it's a really central location. We're right near the train and walking distance to pretty much everything. So really looking forward to that. And we're going to do a little back to school clothes shopping. Yeah, great shopping where you're staying. Uh, yeah, I there's, know. there's just every possible store that you could ever imagine right in the downtown area. It's a great vibe at night too. There's uh, so much going on compared to our Calgary downtown. After 6 p.m., there's literally no one walking in the street. <laughs> so it's true. always fun to go to Vancouver and, and see the buzz. There's a great buzz. And for those who have never gone to Vancouver, British Columbia and Canada. I think it's one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm very biased because I'm Canadian, but the oceans and the mountain, beautiful skyscape of the city. It should be a place that you go visit if you I haven't agree. been. Yeah, I've traveled to Vancouver for years. I used to travel there um, for business all the time. 
and yeah. and just love it. Just love it. It's just so nice to be there. I don't know what it's going to be like now with COVID restrictions. I've researched it extensively. Will restaurants be open? Are they limiting capacity? But it does look like they have opened up for business. And certainly the hotels were lots of incentives, discounts and packages and stuff that they were offering. So yeah, it's, it's going to be epic. Going to be great. Yes. Serge, what are we going to talk about today? Oh, we're going to talk a lot. So we've got some really interesting topics. The first one we're going to talk about, and this will be interesting for a lot of people, is the problem with emphasizing employer branding in your job post. We're going to talk a little bit of how you should focus on the role, not the employer brand in your job post. The second thing we want to talk about, and we've talked a little bit about this, but looking at the banking sector, where definitely there's a ton of competition. Mm -hmm. A lot of the big players like JP Morgan just came out with, they're increasing um, the pay of all their analysts coming in at a hundred K base, which honestly doesn't seem like a lot if you're living in New York city, but I think we'll highlight some of these companies and what they're doing. And a question for you on that one, is money the difference here Mm -hmm. or is it something else? So let's try to figure that out. And we've been talking about recruiters and how much in demand they are in the market. And we have some really interesting data points and some surprises of where people are hiring recruiters. But before we do, let's jump into the first thing. So when we talk about job postings, we've talked a lot about emphasizing your employer brand and companies have been doing that. We're starting to figure out, is that actually the right thing? Shouldn't you not be focusing on what the role is itself? We read an article, we'll put it in the show notes. They highlight that in 2019, in the book about nine lies about work, the number one point that was cited is people don't really care where they work. They care a lot more about the physical work and what the job is and what the environment is going to be. Candidates are craving specifics Mm -hmm. from your job ad, and they're not necessarily getting it. They're getting a sense of who the company is, what are the role requirements, what are the responsibilities, when in reality, they don't have a real sense of what it is working day to day, who are they going to work with, how different departments interact. What's your overall thoughts? We've talked about you need to have a strong employer brand to differentiate yourself. Are we overcompensating on that side, Shelly? What's your I love that you said that. (laughs) So I'm just waiting for you to pause and hand me the mic because I think what's happened is like this pendulum swing, right? People were thinking, okay, we've got to say lots about ourselves. I think recruitment teams develop these templates that have your employer brand trying to sell why work here. And they ended up going into every single job posting. And then the pendulum swung the other way, because on one hand, we're saying candidates want details. Like what exactly is the job? So rather than go into anything interesting, we did cut paste from the job description and plunked it in there. And all of a sudden it grew to be like almost a page and a half long with bullet points of every single uh, duty responsibility and the, the famous line of other duties as assigned. Like on yeah. Now we're saying like, whoa, let's back up the bus here and say, you do need to describe what the work is and what you'll be expected to do, but do it in a balanced way, I think. Uh, balanced with if somebody's never heard of you and say they're looking for jobs in 
Let's just take an industry sector search. Let's just say it's manufacturing. Do candidates want to know what you're manufacturing when they see your job ad? What do you think? I think so. Okay. Let's distinguish then employer brand, employer branding, when it overshadows the whole job posting is when they've top loaded everything at the top of the job ad. Do you agree that's where most recruiters end up putting it? Yeah, yeah, for, I would say it's probably at least 50% is on top of the job. Ad. And are they describing what the company does or are they trying to sell us on why work here? Well, I, I think it's a mixture. I think a lot of companies do describe what they do as a company. But I think to your point, we're seeing that swing where they talk a lot about why someone should work there. But in reality, they're not really saying why. They're just giving us platitudes. Like we've talked about this so many times. Exciting, dynamic, fast-paced environment. We kill it. We're so great type of message, which I still see every day drives me fucking crazy. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. When we say employer branding, is that really the place for it? Because when we think about candidate behavior, they'll see the job, say it's an accountant. Every company, regardless of industry, needs accountants. Agreed? Yeah. Okay. So if I'm a manufacturing firm and I need an accountant, do I need to um, sell you on why work here? As an accountant in a manufacturing, I think it'd be interesting for a candidate to know, but is that the path that they take? Do they first of all read, how do I even want to work here and then decide to apply for the job? What we're saying now is we need to balance it a little more because candidates want the specifics of exactly what is the work and who will I be working with and what are you guys working on? That's the attractive part is like, what's in it for me from a candidate's perspective, do I care if it's manufacturing cables or manufacturing children's shoes? No, I want to know what is, what's exciting and what's happening in the company. What will I be working on? Because the reason I'm going to leave where I am now is because I want something more interesting to work. I think there's a mixture of everything. So when they state that job seekers don't really care where they work, what the company is anymore, I I disagree with that because in reality, it's a big difference of working with a well-established brand. When your friends ask where you work, that they know what that company is. I I think it's very vain, but I still think that Mm -hmm. is in the back of mind of a lot of job seekers. And, And the other side of it is what the company does, does it align with my values as well? Give you an example. Like if you're manufacturing baby shoes or manufacturing guns, some people (laughs) manufacturing gun goes against their moral values or whatever it is. I'm not like giving you one side or the other, but there's going to be different viewpoints on that end. So I still think there is value in the employer brand is just be real with it. Just talk about your company, but use real terms. Candidates are telling us that they're craving more specifics of what the job is going to be on a day-to-day basis. And that's what mm-hmm. your job ad should be focused. You should not have a hundred bullet points on what their role is. Mm-hmm. Like to your point, as other duties are assigned, they're like, what the fuck does that mean? What does it mean? Yeah. Do you know what I love? I love the format where I believe that most jobs have, say, three big things that you need to do. 
And I love it when I see job ads that break it down into say three simple things. It's not easy to do, but if you really look at any job in your first say 18 months, I advocate for recruiters to break it down into what are the top three things and focus on those, put a couple bullet points of what that means and what you'll be doing. And then the rest is really covered on either your company's career page or your online presence elsewhere. But if you are, say, mandated to put something about what we do as an organization, talk about what your company does and maybe not so much about your employment value proposition. Because that's a next level conversation. Because if you're leading with that, you're setting an expectation. And again, I know you say all the time, just be honest for Christ's sake, (laughs) just tell us the truth. Because the warm and fuzzy statements about your employment value proposition sets an expectation. And if it's not really that way, like how people really experience working there, you're just going to create a sense of Ah, you led me down the garden path. It will happen eventually. Yeah, I I agree. And I have a point that's maybe counterintuitive of what we've always heard like for the last 10 years is I am more interested in a candidate that is interested in the job specifics Mm -hmm. than they are interested in your employer brand. To me, if they're more interested in the company than actually physically doing the job and what the specifics and what the day-to-day looks like, I'm more interested in that candidate than I am for that candidate that just wants to work with us because we're We've got great benefits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're Google or Apple. I'm more interested in that candidate that is looking at the physical work itself. That's a great point. And one very well made. So thank you for that. Let's move on to our next topic here. There's been a lot of talk lately around trying to attract new talent into positions. And was really caught my eye was the article that talked about the different major banks throughout the U.S., and what they are doing to attract like entry level. This is not trying to steal talent from your competitors. This is very much about getting them in as new hires. And the numbers just seem staggering, right? Entry level employees starting at 100,000 and up with bonuses of 25,000, even up to 200,000 over time. That is pretty appealing to a new hire or entry-level person. Is it? So it's, so what we're not seeing is what do you have to do? What is expected of you in that first year as an analyst? Most first-year individuals are not going to stop and think, oh, that probably means they want a pound of flesh. I won't have any vacation and I'm working 80 hours a week. I'll take it. What they're trying to do is attract people that would be going in other sectors basically the brightest and the smartest that would usually go into banking because that's where they can grow the careers the fastest, either with Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, or any of those players. Mm -hmm. So they feel if they just pay a ton more than what their potential competitors in that are feel, it's going to give them a leg up. They already pay more than other sectors, Mm -hmm. which if we think about 100K in New York City, where these places are... It's not a lot of money at all. It's basically still almost minimum wage in some cases. 
imagine, um, right? Do you think it's really solving the problem? Is it what job seekers in that space are looking for? I think we've talked about this in the pandemic. People have changed their focus. Do they want to work 80 hours? Is mental health important to them? Is increasing the salary from 15 to 25K more than what they were paying before? Mm-hmm. Is that going to make a difference? And I know banking, the first the first thing they want to do is at any problems, let's just throw money at it, which might work, but is this the right solution? This, I know the article that we're both referring to also talked about how they're increasing and giving raises to their current employees, which you can throw all the money at it you want if you keep bringing in new and they're turning over. So in this same article, they talk about current employees getting a bump in pay as well. So second year people will go from 90 to 110, third year go from 95 to 125. So they're handing out raises. I think they're throwing a big blanket around people to try and get them to stay. But you're right. I don't think they're addressing the heart of the matter. Are analysts willing to sacrifice two or three years of their life and not have a life to have that brand on their resume? Do you know what I'm reminded of? Is in the event, Serge, we talked about this redacted resumes, right? If there comes a time in the future where all resumes are redacted for reasons of discrimination or um, bias, imagine how that is going to affect people who have slaved and sacrificed their health, their family, and given all of their time to have this name brand on their resume, and it becomes irrelevant. Mm. Good Can point. you imagine? <laughs> yeah, never thought of that. That's, yeah. I'm so one, one last thing I wanted to point out, my, my friend, DJ Soul, he's the yes. CEO over at Goldman Sachs. So in this article, they were the only bank that has not announced any pay raises. And it's been insinuated that Goldman Sachs is is considering raising salaries, but they're going to do it based on what their rivals do. Mm. Oh, can you imagine? Is everybody running? (laughs) Are they going to run over there? They believe that their brand is so strong, and perhaps it is, but they're not going to take a front running position. So from a candidate's perspective, if they're just going to wait and see what other people do, what else in the way they run their business is handled that way? Honestly, I don't blame them. If they can get candidates without having to do a pay increase, good for them. This is where employer brand is very strong. I don't know their brand is as strong as they think it is. Obviously, I'm not in banking, but everyone I talk to in banking, this is a primo. So I guess we'll see exactly what happens next little while, but I am not surprised by that. I do want to talk about our favorite topics is recruiters. Yes. We've discussed this a ton of times. Mm as far as how much in demand recruiters are in the market right now. And there's a LinkedIn article that talks about it. So between June, 2020 and June, 2021, Mm -hmm. there's actually been an increase of sevenfold of job postings out for recruiters. So recruiters are very much in demand. As we've Mm -hmm. said, there's actually more job postings for recruiters than there is for say software developers, which as we all know is in demand 
talent right now. A couple of things from the article that really surprised me. So most recruiters being hired right now are either being poached from other companies. It's musical chairs. We're moving recruiters around from company to company. Less people are coming into the recruitment industry as their first role or switching from, say, sales marketing or supply chain, whatever the case is, and moving into recruitment. So one of the things that's interested there, more recruiters are being hired from HR. There's a 10% increase of people mm-hmm. coming from HR to a recruitment role in the last year. There's been a 25% decrease of people coming from sales into recruitment. Interesting. The main reason they say is they feel there's less risk with bringing someone from HR because they feel they understand recruitment more. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts? I don't think anyone who's listened to us won't be shocked by our take on this because one of the first episodes we did on the Recruitment Flex was based on the Disrupt HR presentation that you did, talking about, stop it, please stop treating recruitment like it's a stepping stone. You've got to do your time in recruitment. It makes sense that companies are going to go with, let's just move one of our existing HR people because it's easier to replace an HR person than it is to find a recruiter because you already know the company, you're in HR. What we know is going to happen is they hate recruiting. And HR people who feel like this is either a demotion for them or they're doing work that they don't love. So it's not really going to solve the problem. Like they're not going to have the flair for it. They're not going to really throw their shoulder into sourcing great talent for the company. They'll read resumes and pass them on to the hiring manager. Am I right? Am I wrong? No, you're hundred percent. I think we're taking the wrong approach. We're taking the lazy approach Mm -hmm. and we're taking the one that people that don't understand recruitment that are making these decisions be like, Hey, we have Jim in HR. Let's just move him over to recruitment. Easy problem solved. Let's let's wash our hands from this. But the other element is you've got people in other departments that would be way better. I'll tell you this. Recruitment is not hard to learn. <laughs> Dealing with people is very hard to learn. Mm-hmm. And salespeople generally have the skills that are, are needed to be able to easily translate over. They're great storytellers. They listen. They they have all the key attributes compared to HR. You're actually in a really unnatural position by moving them over. And I don't think we realize that. A lot of organizations think that recruiting is HR. They don't really have a deep understanding of what else is done in HR. I hear that all the time when I say I'm in recruitment. Oh, you're in HR. I'm like, yeah, not really. It's just Mm. like, well, I thought, what else does HR do but recruit? Yeah. So uh, on that note, the first thing a recruiter from our own chair is we think about what is the supply? How many recruiters are there? Is there people that are truly recruiters? What's the inventory? What is the talent inventory? So I found this awesome article, and I, I hope we can put it in the show notes, that just said, well, how many recruiters are there? 
in the world, because it's one thing to say we've had a seven X, like from June of 2020 to June of 2021, there's been a seven X increase in postings for recruiters, but how many are there in North America? The inventory is 440,000 plus recruiters. Then these would be based on LinkedIn and who's identified themselves as a recruiter, right? So consider that there's 375,602 open jobs looking for recruiters. That means the number of open jobs is growing every day because so many companies are are realizing that they need to attract talent. These are people that list themselves and how many are actively looking for work. And I think there's a mixture because if we talk about corporate and staffing, it does vary in the staffing industry as some companies will hire as many recruiters as they can, but usually they're running a 360 desk that are doing sales. And a lot of them are paid on the food they bring in. So Companies are just like hire like a hundred recruiters, but in reality, are they really recruiters? Like a true, pure recruiter out there that's really good at their job? I'm sure we can shrink that number by 80%. There's probably 20% of those that are actually physical recruiters that know what they're doing. Is that a fair assumption? Yeah, good point. Because that would include the staffing industry. And you're right. A lot of them are salespeople but recruitment is part of what they do. So, And they turn and burn so quickly. A lot of them see it as their first job out of college and they do it for a year, then they move on because they realize how tough that industry can be. So interesting viewpoint. And talking about recruiters, I want to finish off the show on something that I've been noticing a lot lately. And um, it drives me absolutely crazy. How many recruiters, talent acquisition people, HR folks, that on LinkedIn or anywhere are saying, we're hiring. Isn't that the most lazy message that you've ever seen? When I see it from other departments, I'm not really offended. It's no big deal. But when I see it from talent acquisition professionals, that their ad on LinkedIn or their messages, like we're hiring, who gives a fuck if you're hiring? Like really, who, who is it? cares? <laughs> So what? You're hiring. Great. Great for you. Do you mean the badge that you can put right on your, is it a badge or or are you talking about when someone say I work for whatever employer and I'm putting up a post on LinkedIn and it just simply says what gets under your skin worse? No, the badge that's annoying too, but sure. But it's when you're going in and posting on LinkedIn and saying we're hiring and Sometimes you'll see it as just like their own post. Sometimes the actual advertising of their roles, like they put an image and it's, we're hiring. And that is such a lazy message. It's, no one really cares that you're hiring. What are you actually looking for? What's in it for the candidate instead of we're hiring? Are you expecting by saying we're hiring that everyone's just going to drop everything they do and they're just going to go to apply for your job? Is that the message? Yeah. Can't you be more creative than that? Can no. you not? Like you're right. It's just, it is just laziness. I, I really do. I really believe it's just, I think it's laziness. a mixture of laziness and not thinking about it. It's like what we've always defaulted to. So we're just going to put, we're hiring. Everyone's going to be ecstatic. In reality, no one gives a fuck that you're hiring. What's the message for the candidate? Put that instead of mm-hmm. we're hiring. Anyway, and- so that's been one of my pet peeves that I've noticed a ton lately because everyone is hiring. So LinkedIn has just become a cesspool of people posting their roles, 
we're, we're hiring this morning and my 10 posts, yeah. eight of them were like, we're hiring. And out of the eight, five were from talent acquisition directors, managers, VP saying, we're hiring in big, bold uh, letters. And I'm just like, yes. Oh man, I just cringe. Could you imagine asking your VP of HR to share a post that just simply says we're hiring? Do you know, so why don't you just put a sign out front, like a sandwich board <laughs> out on yeah. the sidewalk? We're hiring. That's helpful. That's really going to help recruiters find great talent for your company. I think what's also really telling is you'll see the response that those sort of postings get. Who's going to respond to it? Imagine that you post, we're hiring, and people respond with, I'm interested. Does that go anywhere? No. Like seriously. So it, it's a two-way street, folks out there everybody listening. It's a two-way street. If you're going to be lazy and not put any heart into how you advertise what you're looking for, guess what you're going to get back? You're going to get back the same thing from candidates. Are you going to be inspired as a recruiter to follow up on somebody who posted a one-word response? Yeah. You know what you could do instead? Have a quick video of the hiring manager saying what the role is, what they're oh, trying to achieve. That will imagine. have a much bigger impact. Or even yourself, talent acquisition manager, or you can. You don't need to be that creative. Just use something else, but we're hiring. Like yeah. say, we're yeah. looking for people is better than we're hiring because <laughs> no, like, there's people everywhere. That's I know. Like, that's I'm like standing so... out on the street and just inviting anybody who walks by to come in. It's really the, the same thing. Exactly. It's not targeted. The message is just like oh. noise. Yeah. So Shelly, yes. enjoy your vacation. Thank I you. hope you have a really good time in Vancouver. Thank I'll be you. here slaving away, just getting everything ready for the podcast and our big announcement coming up. So carrying the torch, carrying all the weight again. <laughs> Thank that's what you. I do. So oh, do you know, do your shoulders hurt? My shoulders hurt a little bit. Do like they? they're not that big, these shoulders. So uh, oh, poor Serge. <laughs> hey, listen. Else? Thank you so much. Great show, and we will talk soon. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.